then just now or in uh, the days to come. Let's worship God. Worship his name by singing to his praise from a Scottish Psalter and Psalm 67. Scottish Psalter and Psalm 67. All our worship is from a Psalter this evening. Uh, Psalm 67, the first version of the Psalm. Lord, bless and pity us, shine on us with thy face, that the earth thy way and nations all may know thy saving grace. Let people praise thee, Lord. Let people all thee praise. Well, let the nations be glad in songs their voices raise. Psalm 67, the whole psalm to God's praise. Lord, bless and pity us, shine on us with thy So join together in a word of prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we come before you again this evening and give you praise the privilege we have of being in this place gathered together. Gathered together not out of habit, not out of sheer pattern of our weekly schedule. Lord, we're here to worship you. We're here to glorify and to praise your name. Help us for a short time together this evening to know that you are here with us and your presence is very much present, not because of anything special of this building, not because of anything special in us, Lord, but your presence is here because your word tells us that you have made your home in and with your people. You have chosen to dwell in your people, to make your home in us, to work through us, and because we're here this evening as your people, and you are here with us, we're here just now before the presence of you, the holy God, the only one who is the only truly living God. You deserve all power, all praises, all glory. The one who is holy, holy, holy. And this very moment, this very evening, as we gather together, we admit and we confess that we are creatures made from the dust in our bodies in our minds perhaps even in our spirits just now we are so aware of that creatureliness we are so aware of that dust we are made from we are so aware of our frailty so aware of our infirmity even just now we're so aware that we come before you a holy God who can behold no sin who can behold no evil a holy God who who must and who does and who will perform justice, 
A holy God who is perfect in all you do and all you say. A holy God who right now sustains all of your creation. That nothing is beyond your power. Nothing is beyond your understanding. You're the God who your word tells us. Who not only created, but also has, as it were, named and numbered the very stars of heaven. Your word also tells us that this evening you are the God who has numbered the very hairs on the heads of your people. Yes, you are great and lifted up. Yes, you are highly exalted. Yes, you are worthy of honour and praise for all eternity. Out of your love, out of your care, out of your mercy, you have the person of your Son. You have made yourself knowable to your people. But you, out of your glory, out of your love, you for your own glory, you, Lord, for the sake of your Son having a people for his own possession, you, out of love for your people, so we would have a saviour and a means of access to you, that you sent your son. And you showed in so many glorious ways you're a God who is willing to come down to our level. Help us never to grow tired or to grow weary of a wonder that we have a saviour who's at your right hand, a saviour who stepped down. To come down for the eternal glory of heaven the eternal glory of his name, his person being praised by the angelic host for all eternity. He stepped down from that privileged position. Born. Born into this world. Made like us in all ways apart from sin. Who felt every emotion we feel. Who saw and who experienced the full reality of being one of his creatures. Who saw the destruction and the pain and the misery that sin brought into his created world who lived every day stepping closer and closer to his death on the cross, knowing what it was he was heading towards, knowing he would hang on that cross out of obedience to the Father, out of love for his people, for the joy that was set before him. He endured that for us as his people. Lord, help us not to lose sight of the glory and the beauty and the wonder of that. Help us not to grow tired of meeting together as brothers and sisters to think on these things. We do pray for this gathering, for this fellowship, the brothers and sisters gathered here this evening. We thank you for them. We ask you to bless them. Bless us as we come around your word just now to lay aside the various uh, many anxieties and worries and concerns, uh, the burdens that we have outside this place. For a short time, Lord, to listen to your word, to listen to you as you speak to us through it. We pray for those here this evening who are yours, who know you and who love you. We ask, Lord, you would open our ears and open our hearts. Help this evening to be a day of, an evening of blessing for us. Help this day to be a day where we have spent time together, time around your word. We would leave this place having grown in our love and in our knowledge of you. We pray also for those here this evening who are yours, but who, for whatever reason, are feeling far away from you. Those who have wondered or those who feel as if they are wondering. Lord, we ask you to bring them back to yourself. You would show them that you have not changed, that you have not moved. We pray for those who long to be here. Brothers and sisters who, who would wish nothing more than to gather uh, together with their uh, fellow saints, but who through reasons of age and infirmity and for other uh, various reasons cannot gather as often as they wish. Lord, we ask you to be with them. They're alongside them. And if it's your will, Lord, you would afford them even just now a, a certain a special a sense of your presence with them, that they would know that we are praying for them. We pray for those who mourn, uh, even those who mourn of recent in this congregation, Lord. Uh, you know their exact situations. You know the exact pain they're in. Lord, you alone can come alongside and comfort them. Your Holy Spirit. He alone is the ultimate comforter. We ask you give us wisdom as we seek to comfort them. Help us in ways practical, uh, to be of assistance. Help us to spiritually and practically and in love to come alongside those who are mourning just now. Pray for those also who are mourning perhaps of a death of many months, indeed many years ago, as anniversaries come and go, Lord, of this time of year. We pray for them, that you be with them also. We pray, Lord, for those here this evening who don't wish to be here. Those here this evening who perhaps are being taken out by a loved one, by a wife, by a husband who are here just to take off a box for the week. 
Lord, first of all, we thank you for them. We thank you they are here. We thank you they find themselves in this place hearing your word. We ask that even this evening, even though they have no desire to be here, that you would, through your word, impact them. Through your word, you would open their eyes. You would turn their heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Likewise, we pray for those who have no interest in this place, for those who have no idea and no care for you or for your word. We pray even for those who we love, those who we care for deeply, those who are our family members and our friends, our colleagues and our neighbours, those who we long to, to know you, those who we long to see transformed, those who, as it stands, are facing a lost eternity. Lord, we ask you would use us, use us as bold witnesses, gentle, loving, careful. Give us opportunity, we ask, to share the gospel with those around us who desperately need to hear it. Lord, forgive us for the many times that we shy away from sharing the gospel. The many times we find ourselves lost for words. And to our shame, we find ourselves embarrassed, if we're honest. Embarrassed as how we say things or how we do things. Lord, give us, we ask, wisdom. Give us, we ask, Lord, opportunity. Help us to be zealous with that true zealousness as we seek to share the gospel to those who need to hear it. Lord, help us this evening to find our minds and our hearts focused on your word. Lord, bless this congregation. Bless all that goes on in this place. Bless your word that goes out from this place day after day and week after week. We pray especially just now for your pastor here. Lord, we do pray, Lord, for Reverend McKeever. We thank you for him. We pray, Lord, you be a strength just now as he Lord, recovers from the illness. Lord, you be with him and help him. We do pray for this congregation as a whole as they find themselves in the process of looking to have one to serve alongside Reverend McKeever as their assistant minister. Lord, we ask for wisdom for the congregation, wisdom for those involved in the process. Also, I do pray, Lord, for the one whom we have in mind. Thank you for him and thank you for his ministry. Pray for him and pray for his family in the days and weeks, indeed, perhaps even months to come. Lord, that your name would be praised, whatever the outcome may be, that you would be glorified. Your people would be upbuilt in you. We come before you this evening and we are aware of our sinfulness. We are aware, as we said, of our uh, frailty. We are aware that even this day we have sinned against you, a holy God, in our words, in our actions. But to our shame, perhaps even willingly, we have gone astray. We ask you, bring us back to yourself. Help us to cling to the one uh, source of true salvation that there is, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, to cling on to his promises, to remind ourselves of his finished work and that alone. We ask all these things in and through and for his name's sake. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's uh, now turn to reading God's word, uh, the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark in chapter 10. And we can read from verse 32 of the chapter. Mark uh, chapter 10 and verse 32. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Mark 10 verse 32. Let's hear the word of God. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. After three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism of which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. 
The baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it's for those for whom it's been prepared. When the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even a son of man came not to be served, but to serve, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Good praise to God for his holy and his perfect word. Let's again sing to God's praise, this time singing from Psalm 40. Psalm 40, these great words, of course, of salvation. Psalm 40, we can sing verses 1 down to verse 5. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me did incline my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay. On a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 5, to God's praise. I waited for the
Let's for a short time turn back to the chapter we had, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We'll look this evening at the account we have from verse 46 to the end. I account we all know so well, I'm sure, the, the healing of Bartimaeus. And for the sake of a text, we can perhaps just take uh, the last uh, two verses, uh, verse 51 and 52. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The last time we were together, we were looking, I believe, in the Psalms, we were looking at some of the, the pilgrim Psalms, the Psalms about journeying, about how we saw that the Christian life is one of travel, one of journey. Even before that, a few years ago, we looked together already in Psalm 84 and seeing that great Psalm speaking of the Christian's journey. This evening, in these few short verses, we also have a journey of sorts. It's a much shorter journey in some ways, but also it's an eternal journey. We follow the journey of this man, Bartimaeus, this poor blind man, and we see his journey, not just from blindness to receiving sight, but also from death to life. We also see his journey to eternal life as we go on uh, through these verses together this evening. As we go through them, well, look, just very simply following the verses under four very general headings. First of all, looking at verses 46 down to verse 48, we see the condition of Bartimaeus, his condition. Then in verse 48, again, we see the crowd around Bartimaeus. Then verses 49 to verse 50, we see or we hear of the call and also the care of Jesus towards Bartimaeus. And finally, in the last few verses, we see the conversion. So his condition, the crowd around him, the call of Jesus towards him, and finally, his glorious conversion. As we spend just a short time looking at this wonderful section of Scripture, those of us here this evening who know the Lord, those of us who love the Lord, as we go through these verses, what a chance is for us to be reminded as to the wonder and the care and the love of our Saviour. His tenderness towards this man. His care towards this man. And each one of us here this evening who are Christians, it's all true, I'm sure, we can all say we find ourselves somewhere in the story of Bartimaeus. Each one of us who know the Lord, who love the Lord, we can all say, can't we, but once, yes, we were blind. Once we were nothing more than a beggar, spiritually a beggar, but now... We've been given sight. Now we've been given all the riches and more riches could ever have begun to ask for. And for any here this evening, perhaps even those online who as of yet don't know Jesus, you as of yet cannot say that you know him, that you love him, that you follow him, please listen to God's word this evening. You've probably heard this account many, many times. I'm sure you have. But listen just once more this evening to God's word and hear as to the journey of this man, as to his journey from blindness to sight, his journey from being lost to being found by the Savior. And just as the Christians, we can find ourselves in this account. Our hope and our prayer is you'd find yourself in this story, this account, even this evening. You come into this place, yes, you are spiritually blind. We'll see that later on. But our prayer is that God, through his word, would work even this evening. You'd leave this place like Bartimaeus, your eyes opened and following Jesus. Let's begin with our section here, looking at the condition of this blind man. Verses 46 down to verse 48. We find a few things, actually, about Bartimaeus. Scripture tells us, a good few details. Of course, Jesus, we said Jesus, the disciples, they've just walked out of Jericho, they've left Jericho. And as they pass Jericho, as a crowd passes Jericho, our attention is drawn away from the crowd 
to the city walls, to outside city walls. Our eyes are drawn down on the ground and here we find this man, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar of a son of Timaeus. He's sitting by the roadside. A blind man, a beggar, a man who had no hope in this society. We, of course, read this account and we do, of course, feel sorry, I'm sure, for Bartimaeus. We think, well, that's a hard life he had. But perhaps we forget that even in our culture, we are so privileged in many ways. Uh, we, ha- we have a health service, we have charities, we have all these different uh, groups. Of course, there are many we know ourselves who are still beggars in our towns and our cities. But there, there's help for them, there's at least some uh, help for them in some way. Not true for Bartimaeus, not true for the beggars of his day. There's no health service, there are no charities. This man is useless, he is worthless, he's uncared for, he is here outside the walls, on the ground, the crowds just passing him by. No care for him, no time for him, not giving him a second look, we could say. He has no use to society, no purpose towards society. He has no use or purpose in life, we could say, as far as the crowd around him sees him. A useless, pointless, worthless, blind beggar who they pass by day after day. The scripture tells us more about this blind man. We see, as we read on in verse 47, this blind beggar, as uncared for as he was, we're sure, we find three more things out about him. First of all, he knew something about Jesus. Verse 47, he heard Jesus was passing by. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. At some time, in some way, this blind man, as he sat and begged and listened to the crowds passing him by, he's heard something about Jesus. Something about this man who they say is doing miracles. This man who they call perhaps the Messiah, the Savior. This man who they've called the son of David, the the one who's been promised to come and to save his people. Bartimaeus has heard something about Jesus. How much or how, of course, we don't know, but he's heard something. He's heard enough about Jesus to know that Jesus might just be able to help him. He might just be able to help him somehow. This man who's healed other people, this man who's who's saved other people, this man who's perhaps even given other blind people sight, maybe, just maybe, he might help me too. He knew something about Jesus, but also this blind man, he also, he knew his need. We'll see that more later on. He knew he needed help. He knew that no one and nothing else could help him. And he knew he needed Jesus to stop. He knew he needed Jesus to come and to come alongside him and to help him and to heal him. We'll see that, of course, as we go on. As we look and remind ourselves as to the condition of Bartimaeus, we find ourselves, I'm sure, thinking, well, this is a poor soul. And he was a poor soul in all definitions of that word. Of course he was. But the truth is that there are some here this evening who are just as bad. And perhaps we could say even in a worse condition, a worse state than this poor blind beggar by the side of a road. How can you say that? Who are you? Who are you to come up there to tell me that somehow my life is worse than a poor, useless beggar a few thousand years ago? And perhaps you have all you want in life. You've had a good life, you're successful perhaps, good job, happy family, and so on and so on. And we praise the Lord for that. All these good gifts come from him. But scripture tells us that without Jesus, spiritually, you are blind. Spiritually, you are blind. You have no hope of seeing, no hope of healing yourself. 
even more than that, and perhaps even more offensive to our egos and more offensive to, to our personalities. Scripture tells us that without Jesus, we're also beggars. I'm not. I'm really not. I provide for myself. I provide for my family and so on. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But spiritually, dear friend, you are a beggar. Like Bartimaeus, you're just waiting for the world to throw you scraps as it passes you by. You can do nothing for yourself. can't really help yourself. You just sit there waiting as the world passes you by as it throws you a few pennies and a few scraps here and there. It's perhaps even worse than that. There are some here, perhaps even this evening, and you're actually much, much worse than this poor blind beggar. Your situation is perhaps much more dire than his ever was. Because for all his infirmity, for all his many issues and problems, he knew his need. He knew his need. And more than that, he knew only Jesus could help him in that need. This poor blind beggar, for all the issues and problems he had, he knew he had to call out to Jesus to save him, to help him. If you're here this evening and we love that you are and we praise God that you are and we love to see you with us, of course we do. Perhaps even those online, we love, we praise God that you're listening in. If you're here or, or listening this evening and if as of yet you have no interest in Jesus, if as of yet you can't say you've, you've called out for him to save you and you find yourself in a worse place than this man by the roadside, these few thousand years ago, these few thousand miles away, he knew his need. He knew Jesus alone could help him. Jesus alone could save him. So what happens? He hears Jesus is coming by. And Bartimaeus, we see in verse 48, what does he do? Well, in verse 47, we see he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What happens? What happens the second Bartimaeus opens his mouth to call out to Jesus? Verse 48. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. To be silent. We praise God for our Bible translations and we have the blessing in our country of many, many good translations. And we trust these translations well. But there's something in this verse 48 the wording here is good, it's correct, of course it's correct, but it's much more strong. And even from a pulpit, perhaps, you'd be quite uncomfortable saying that the strength of the words of verse 48. The crowd rebuked him, telling him to be quiet, to be silent. It's, it's sit down and shut up, Bartimaeus. Keep your mouth shut, is what we're saying. But the stronger words being used here. Bartimaeus, sit down, keep your mouth shut, shush. Know your place, stay where you are. The second Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus, the crowd fires up and they keep, or try at least, to keep him quiet, to keep him silent, to keep him down. Dear friends, the Christians here, the brothers and sisters here will tell you that our testimonies, I'm sure, will all match in some way, that the second we began to show a saving interest in Jesus, either the crowd around us or even ourselves, internally, we find the opposition beginning straight away, don't we? Even as Christians, if we're honest, how many days have you woken up and had a good plan of praying and reading scripture? Phone goes, something else happens, chores get done, and if we're honest, evening comes. Bible is there, still closed. Prayers are unsaid, and the day's gone by, and we've said and done nothing. Dear friends, the second you show a saving interest in Christ, you will face opposition. You will. It will come again internally because naturally we know from Scripture, naturally we hate God, naturally we despise Him, naturally we do anything and everything to go away from Him. But also you'll face opposition from those around you, those who love you and those who mean well. As they see you perhaps come out to church more often, 
as I see you reading your Bible more often, as I see you perhaps wanting to pray or wanting to come to the prayer meetings and so on and so on, they'll begin to worry for you. That family member, that friend who, who cares for you will think, what's happened to them? I mean, they're okay with you coming to church, but once you think, well, now they're actually believing this stuff. They believe this ancient book. They actually believe what's being said on, from the pulpits. And it worries them. Because naturally, of course, they want nothing to do with the gospel either. You will face almost immediate opposition. We give praise to God that in our culture, in our country, the opposition we face, it's not well, hardly ever violent, it's hardly ever vicious, but at times, and for some people that is the case, we know that sadly there are some who face awful opposition from family members and friends. But you will face vitriol, you will face mocking, you will face all manner of opposition. The second you show a saving interest, or any interest at all, in wanting to know more about Jesus and following him, if this evening you find yourself, even just now, wanting to know more, wanting to, to, to examine, wanting to read more, wanting to, to find out more about who Jesus is, just be prepared for opposition. What happens here in the face of opposition? What happens? Once a crowd, in verse 48, tells Bartimaeus to keep his mouth shut and to sit down, does he follow them? Does he listen to them? What happens? Verse 48, the second half. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. They tell him, Bartimaeus, shush, and he just shouts even louder. Dear friends, when the opposition begins to ring in your ears, don't give up. Don't give up. When the devil himself feels as if it's dragging you away from your, your Bibles and from prayer and from finding out more about who Jesus is. Don't give up. Follow Bartimaeus. You just keep your ground and you cry out all the more towards Jesus. What would have happened if Bartimaeus had listened to the crowd around him? What would have happened if he had kept his mouth shut he shouts out to Jesus. The crowd says, shush. He listens to them. He sits, as it were, back down quietly. And he lets Jesus and the crowd pass him by. What well, we know from Scripture, and we, in fact, even read together in verse 32 onwards, in that section, that Jesus would not pass this way again. Simple as that. Jesus is heading, of course, slowly at this point towards the cross. Jesus would no longer, would ever again pass by where Bartimaeus was. And if Bartimaeus had kept his mouth quiet, had sat down and said nothing, if he had listened to the crowd, Jesus would have, we see here quite literally, passed him by. His chance would have passed him by. And he lived out the rest of his days as that blind beggar. Dear friends, the illustration here is clear, isn't it? It's, it's not complicated. You've heard this before. And we've said this before, even from this pulpit, I said it before, but we get so comfortable, don't we? We get so comfortable in, in our, our procedure, so comfortable in our process. We get so comfortable in our weekly patterns. Why does anyone stand up here? Why are we here? We're here because this is real. This is serious. The gospel is real. The gospel is for all who listen to it but also the consequences of ignoring the gospel are real. Just like Bartimaeus, if you let this gospel chance pass you by, and we know this ourselves so well, and we see it in our own lives, I'm sure many of us have known this in our lives, of how quickly life can change. That one phone call, that one wrong turn on the road, and so on and so on, and life is destroyed, and life is changed, and opportunity is gone. Gone. Be like Bartimaeus. Be like Bartimaeus even this evening. What's keeping you away from calling out to Jesus just now? Genuinely, what is keeping you away? How do you answer that question, dear friends? Is it pride? 
Is it pride? Is it what others would say about you? Think about you? And to our shame, that's often the case, isn't it? Is it perhaps you think you aren't good enough, aren't holy enough, aren't well-versed enough in your scriptures? Aren't living a good enough life? Dear friends, there are many who have gone before you who live a better life than you lived, who know their Bibles better than you know them, but who die not knowing Jesus. Be like Bartimaeus. Call out, even just now in your minds, call out. Take this chance as the Lord has given it to you once more this evening. He calls out, he ignores the crowd and he calls out to Jesus. Don't be dismayed. Don't be disheartened as you face opposition. Cry out all the louder. So what happens? He calls out, he cries out. What do we see taking place? In verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And Jesus stopped. Professor John Angus always reminded us in college that there's no wasted words in scripture. How true that is. Uh, The start of verse uh, 49 doesn't need to be there really, does it? It doesn't add to the the story because it doesn't add to the account Jesus stopped. But actually, of course, it does. It adds so much. Here we see Jesus the Son of God. We read, of course, in verse 32, here he is, his mind on the cross, heading that way slowly. Every day it passes, he is one step closer to bearing on his shoulders the full wrath of all the sins of all his people. He is about to face a hell, a literal hell we can't begin to imagine. He's about to face an eternity worth of wrath poured out onto him for the sake of his people. All the time being mocked, all the time being derided, all the time living his every day as fully man, fully God, but fully man, seeing the disaster that sin has created and caused in his created world. All that weight, all that pressure pushing down on our Savior as he makes way to the cross. And he hears the cries and the calls of that one useless, pointless, worthless beggar who was sitting by the roadside. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Again, the the words of of, of Bartimaeus here, um, the the grammar of it is repeated. He's not crying out once, he's crying out again and again and again. Bartimaeus is crying out again and again and again. The eternal Son of God, our great and glorious Saviour, he stops. He stops to hear the cry of this man, a man who is worthless to the world, but who is not worthless to Jesus. Jesus stops to listen to. What happens then? Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they, that's the disciples and the followers of Jesus. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Dear Christians, this is where we again find ourselves coming into this story, isn't it? This account. Here is the great and glorious privilege that we have as Christians. This is the duty that's given to us, isn't it? As those who follow Jesus, Jesus gives us this duty to tell those around us, to share with those around us the great, glorious gospel call of this verse. What is the gospel we share? What is the gospel we as Christians have been entrusted with? To tell those around us, take heart, get up, he is calling you. We can't save anyone. We know that. We can't save anyone. We could sit here and stand here and go through every sermon I could think of and your your minister could come back tomorrow and he can go through all his archive of sermons. We can go down the road and go through their archive and go through every church in the island 
We can't save anyone. What is our job as Christians? Is to point them to someone who will save them, who can save them. Our job is to echo the cry of this gospel call, to tell those around us, to tell those who are lost, who are blind, who are dead spiritually, tell them, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Christians, this is our duty, this is our privilege, even this new week. What a joy it is for us. What a joy it should be for us, at least. That we as, as believers have this great gospel commission given to us. Not dependent on our experience, our ability, and so on and so on. Each one of us has been placed in our own mission field, haven't we? In your home. Place of work. Place of study, perhaps. It's your neighbours. Day by day, whatever your life looks like, that's where God has placed you to serve him. To take out this gospel call. Again, for those here this evening, this is the gospel call once more being said to you. Once more, this is it being shared to you. The words of Jesus to Bartimaeus are being repeated again this evening. And they're being said to you. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Dear friends, as we said, we can't save you. If we could, we would. We would. We come and shake you and make you believe. Make you cry to Jesus yourself. That doesn't work. The gospel call, that works. Because it's God's word. This is the call to you once more. If nothing else this evening, listen again to this. This is the gospel call to you. As you search for meaning, search for purpose, search for answers. As you see that there's something else in life, surely there's more to life than what I've experienced so far. Surely there's a reason and a purpose. Surely there's a way of salvation. And the call of Jesus comes out to you and he says, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Dear friends, that's a call to you just now. Take heart, get up. He is calling you. What's the response of this gospel call? To finally, finally come to the, uh, the response, uh, the, the conversion, we could say, of Bartimaeus. See this in verse 50 to the end. So Bartimaeus hears this gospel call and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Just the same way that the words we see in verse 48 to describe the, uh, the, the rebuke and the, the vitriol of the crowd are quite carefully worded. Here we have the same again in verse 50. Uh, this throwing off and the springing up, it's, it's strong words. That cloak is gone. He chucks it off and he springs up. He's gone. The second he hears the call, Bartimaeus is somehow clawing his way towards where Jesus is or being helped, we hope. Again, no wasted words in scripture. Why are we told his cloak has been thrown off? Why do we care? Why is it important to us? What is his cloak? What was his cloak to him? It was his world, wasn't it? It was his world. It was all that he had was his cloak at this time. It was what he used to, 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 to gather and to collect the, uh, the scraps of food and, and the pennies and whatever else was thrown at him from the world. Uh, this cloak which represented all that he once was, all that he once did, it's gone. It's thrown off. Spartimaeus is about to be cloaked, about to be covered by something much more glorious than his cloak. He's now about to be covered by the finished work, by the, by the righteousness of a saviour who has called him, who has shown love to him. And he springs up. He springs up, he makes his way straight to Jesus. The old life has been thrown off him. And then Jesus asks this most strange question you could say. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? When Jesus knew. Jesus knew what Bartimaeus needed. Of course he did. He knew that he was about to heal this blind man and give him life and give him sight. But still we see the care of Jesus. Jesus' respect for this man as a created creature. And he asks Bartimaeus, what will I do for you? 
what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Rabbi, let me see. Let me see. And this is the cry, isn't it? Every Christian here this evening, this has been our cry at some point. Rabbi, teacher, Jesus, open my eyes. Please open my eyes. The Christians here, as we once felt that darkness, and we once realized that we've been spending our whole life walking with our eyes shut, walking in darkness, and our cry one day was, Jesus, open my eyes. Let me see. And we see the world, didn't we? We saw the world as it really was. We saw him as he really was. He opened our eyes and we're no longer scared of him. He opened our eyes and we're no longer have the weight of a burden of our sin hanging over us. He opened our eyes and like Bartimaeus, we were able to spring up and go straight to him. Rabbi, let me see. Let me, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately... Immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Dear friends, perhaps as Christians, and we, we do take blame for this as Christians, and we must as Christians take blame, we add sometimes, we add to salvation. We add layers and we add parts which Scripture does not give us. And we're wrong in doing that and we know that and we confess that. But salvation is expensive cost our saviour all, we know that but to receive salvation to receive salvation if we receive it like Bartimaeus doesn't require any great performance there's no special ceremony, there's no song, no dance no special handshake what is required in salvation to cry out to Christ for it to cry to Jesus that he would save you he would open your eyes there's no performance here, there's no ceremony Immediately, he recovered his sight. Christ's ability, his power, his infinite wisdom and power and love and care is such that this is the reality, isn't it? Immediately. You come this evening to Jesus and you jelly cry out that he would save you and he opened your eyes. This month, this week, this day, come and cry out that he would open your eyes. What does Bartimaeus bring? He brings nothing other than the knowledge that only Jesus can help him. You this evening have so much more biblical knowledge and understanding, I'm sure, than Bartimaeus had. Of course you do. You have the privilege of how many years in this building, how many years under the gospel. Take all that, be Bartimaeus, and go straight to Jesus this evening. And ask Jesus the same thing that he asks. Rabbi, Lord, Teacher, Jesus, let me see. Let me recover my sight. Immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. See, Jesus tells him to go your way. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And Bartimaeus could have, of course, come back to the life he had known, the only life he had known, back and grabbed his cloak again and sat down again and started begging. After all, that's his job because that's his life. Jesus says, go your way. Of course, Bartimaeus does go his way, doesn't he? His way is now the way of his saviour. He immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. What be said of you this evening? What be said of you perhaps even this week? You cried out to Jesus that he would give you sight. But he gave you that sight. He gave you that new life. That he saved you. That you, like Bartimaeus, are now following him on the way. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's what we desperately long to see. True for everyone in this place this evening. Like Bartimaeus, you would know Jesus for yourself. You would see him for yourself. You would follow him for yourself. Let's bow our heads now. Word of prayer. Lord God, we again thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of it. We ask that as we have read now the account of blind Bartimaeus, of the care and the love and the 
the compassion and mercy of your son towards that blind man. We do ask that we the same testimony for many here this evening. They find themselves blind now, but they would come to know for themselves what it is to see, to see truly, to see eternally, to have their eyes opened by the one who has done all that needs to be done for their salvation. Lord, you forgive anything that was said uh, not in accordance to your word. We give you praise that the power is not <clears throat> in the one who preaches, Lord. The power is in your living word. As you bless your people here this evening, encourage us also as we seek to be reminded as to the wonder of our salvation. You are God who saves all who comes to you. You are God who saves all who cry out for that salvation. You are God who has saved your people here this evening. You gave us these new eyes, that new heart. And our way is also now the way of our Saviour. Help us as we come to sing our final item of praise to do so with hearts and minds focused on you, giving you praise. It's all these things in and through and for Christ's precious name's sake. Amen. Let's uh, conclude by singing to God's praise. Sing the wonder words, of course, of Psalm 46. Scottish Psalter and Psalm 46. Sing verses 1 uh, down to verse 6. God is our refuge and our strength, and straits of present aid. Therefore, although the earth remove, we will not be afraid. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 6, to God's praise. God is our refuge and our strength in straits of present
Lord, go before us, we ask the rest of this evening. Lord, bless us and keep us. Help our eyes to be open, Lord, to the glory and the wonder of who you are. The glory and wonder of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only Saviour. We ask this evening and indeed this new week. This would be indeed a week of salvation for even some here this evening. That you would open their eyes and show them their need of Jesus. They call out to him. And like Bartimaeus, they would follow him in the way. Believe that, Lord, in your sovereign hands. We give you praise for that. Ask all these things in and through and for Christ's precious name's sake. Amen.